Welcome to No Instructions, I'm Bob. I'm Josh. How you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing well. We finished up a project today. We did. It's kind of like, uh, feels like a weekend. It's not yeah, a weekend. Yeah, a little bit, but it's, it's uh, Wednesday. <laughs> it's the opposite of the weekend. It's hump day. <laughs> but it does kind of feel like, you know, like, oh, we're just, we're done with that thing now. Now, once we wrapped on that, were you able to, huh, like, take a little breath? I know how you get and how I kind of get, but I especially know how you get whenever we haven't, like, put something in the can. Yeah, um, no, I don't feel like I take a break. I'm oh, okay. chomping at the bit to do the next thing. I wish I wasn't that way, kind of. But I also learned at one point that just, like, that's just how I am. I just want yeah. to keep moving. And to try to deny that doesn't actually do me or anybody around me any favors. Oh, look, the vacuuming's back. So we waited for about, I don't know, 10 minutes while my son was vacuuming the kitchen above us directly. And then he finally stopped, and we started recording, and then he started again, and then we stopped recording. And then we, no, I think he's done. Yeah, so if that comes in and out, that loud noise, that's what that is. My son's just it's doing his chores. responsibility. That's right. Not going not gonna to even give him a hard time about that. I think I'm missing a piece. I think I'm missing a piece too. Hmm. That's odd. Well, I'm still working on the, um, I don't know what this thing's called. The, the Forever Pirates. Pirate ship. Um, the Pirates of Barracuda Bay. Uh, set and i am on currently on bag 12 of 392 there's 15 bags total so i'm getting close to the end wow finally what are you doing i am building the lego ducati i bet that was the wrong color yep sure was okay that's why i couldn't find a piece is because this other piece i did was a different color uh it's probably gonna stay like that uh yeah, the Lego motorcycle, where I left off, I was supposed to be doing the timing, just as I was supposed to be doing that on my actual motorcycle. But the mm. motorcycle got put on hold, which mm -hmm. is fine. Mm -hmm. The real motorcycle. The real motorcycle, uh, which will probably make an appearance in this video. It's in the background. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, so we were filming at, at Josh's house in Josh's shop, and the motorcycle was over there getting dusty. Yep. <laughs> That's what it gets for not working. That's right. That'll show it. Yeah. Well, what else has been going on other than us working at your house and stuff? Mm. Oh, look, vacuuming's back. Mm -hmm. Man, this is like, he must be very thorough. I know, it's funny because you went, he doesn't do a very good job. This won't take very long. <laughs> you called that one. I did. 100% wrong. Maybe he heard me. Yep. I'll show you. I could do a good job for Dan. That's right. Uh, what have we been up to? I have started my... Uh, therapy appointments hmm. as we we talked about here a couple episodes ago mm -hmm. uh it's been it's been pretty all right it's been kind of slow because like i don't know what to ask right and i don't really know what to do like it's the first couple of times waiting to be like asked questions hmm. and i think the process that this therapist uses is called the act theory the acceptance and commitment theory hmm and so I had never okay. heard of it, and I don't know what it means. I'm like, all right, so what do I, what do I like? So I was like Ben Wyatt when he found out that they were having triplets. He was like, so like, what do I, like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? How, how do I, what do I do? And he just like kept talking about how good it was. I'm like, okay, that's neat. But like, I don't know what to do with, yeah. with this information. So I was like, is there like a book or something that I could read? Like in the meantime, is there like some pamphlets? Hmm. And, 
So I found this book. It's kind of like a, it's like a workbook, I guess. You read some stuff. You answer some questions about yourself. Uh, it's been pretty okay so far. Does, does it just help you kind of, kind of prepare for the things that you would like to cover, or is it is it like a like questionnaire, like you're getting your stuff ready to take into the appointment? Is that the idea? I'm not sure, but the first chapter, it's uh, it's a lot of like self realization. Like, so in lieu of, of him not, like, in the first, what, I think two appointments that I've had, like, not directly asking me questions. This thing is directing, like, directly asking me questions and then mm, getting me okay. to, like, think about the things that are that are bothering me holistically. Not just, like, my kids drive me crazy. Right. It's like, okay, well, like, why? And then the first, the first chapter, like, you have to, it asks for a, the list of suffering, which Ooh. made it sound like this... This epic tale. Yeah. You like dusted off some book that you found in some haunted mansion. But it allowed you like in how certain things interact with it. Like if, if this thing is affected, does it affect these other things? Like how are they all connected? And then you you kind of rank them by like this is a thing that I think affects me the most. And then things that affect me the least. Hmm. And then so you had to go through that. And I'm like, okay. And the very next chapter or section in this thing is like, now, what would, how would your life be different if those things were gone? Hmm. Like, if they, you could just, like, poof. Yeah. Like, this thing that you're upset about, like, the fear, frustration, whatever I have with, like, raising my kids and feeling like, a, like, okay, what if you just didn't have that? How would it be different? Hmm. Like, well, I don't really know. And then it, like, asked again in different ways. And it was kind of revealing. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But you haven't actually gotten to talk to talk through those responses or those kind of questions with the therapist yet? Mm-mm. Huh. Nope. Yeah. But it's like that in itself, like it seemed really silly and really simple. And I think the point was like, okay, if you can imagine your life without these things, or if you can see benefits of not like stressing over your kids or the way you react to your kids, like you can convince yourself that they can be gone. Right. Like, look, you you have already admitted to yourself the benefit of not fretting over these things. Hmm. And I think a lot of it is like everybody in the world suffers. Like, that's a thing. You suffer differently. And I think as humans, we want to make it seem like we suffer greater mm-hmm. or different or worse. And so we assign weight to things. We assign weight to like inanimate objects or feelings or words or songs or whatever that like trigger things and rather than trying to avoid all of those things altogether and me logically like okay well if this thing upsets me i'll just never do that thing again and then when it comes back around like it puts you in a very passive place because it's like oh no this thing is happening at me and i just react and i get real sad and i get whatever and it's okay we'll just accept it Hmm. and then once you're able to accept and again I'm, i'm early on in this this theory i'm not still not sure how to actually do any of it but the the it proposes that once you learn to accept these things as part of your life, that you are then free, you are more active in your response to them. Right, I could see that. I mean, I, I think without having read any of the stuff you're talking about, I think that makes sense. To where, like, if if you 
No, I. If I there's hear a, dust in the wind, I'm a puddle of goo, and I, I just can't help it because it makes me feel, you know, it makes me think about my mom or whatever. And now I'm depressed for the day. Yeah. And when I first started reading that, there's like this, there's this one album that does kind of do like that. It, I listened to this whole album around these times where like stuff happened. And so I went for a ride and just listened to that one album. And I'm like, this is just a really good album. Hmm. I just enjoy it. Yeah. And what do I enjoy about it? I'm like, oh, I really like that guitar riff. Or I like how this part drops really hard. I'm like, that's cool. So rather than just like, oh, man, that song comes on the radio. And immediately I start brooding like Michael Scott listening to to James Blunt. Like, I, I'm able to appreciate what I originally liked about the song and yeah. not how it made me feel sad in the moment. Disconnecting from the sad part. Yeah, that, it yeah. made me... It, it put me back in a very active place to those things, those triggers or whatever. And hmm. again, I'm at very early in this, but I'm, I'm learning this new theory that it is so simplistic. Like, Oh, you're sad about this thing and it bothers you or you're depressed about it or you're about whatever. You're like, yeah, it's terrible. And they're like, okay, well, everybody has terrible stuff. So what if it just wasn't terrible? Right. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess <laughs> I never really thought about that before. Like, what if it just like wasn't raining? Yeah. Or what if you just like like the rain? Change your I don't know. So, huh? Yeah. So it's very new because I've never I've never done therapy before. Uh, but and not that I'm abreast of the coolest and hippest therapy trends. But this is new, and it was just a very novel concept. Yeah. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I don't, I don't know. if nothing else, it's exploring something that you've never thought of before. Whether that ends up being yeah. the process that you know really helps, or is just a step in the right direction. I mean, so good. Yep. I guess. Huh. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you finally have a, a consistent point of connection for the therapy, like a certain person that you're dealing with. Yeah, me I'm too. sure that's probably. And really I. Helpful. I mean, it's. I think trying to open up to somebody. Especially somebody that, like, if you go to seek help, you, you might not get to go shopping around. It's like, right. this is the person that you know, your healthcare provider or whatever, like, assigned you. It's, it, you could not like that person. You could not trust that person. You could not connect with them. So I think that that is something that is really difficult for people, especially when they are finally open up to ask for help. And they're like, this person doesn't know anything about me. They don't relate to my problems. So this whole thing is just ruined. Hmm. And... The person I'm talking to, like, has two teenage kids, and I would talk to him about, like, I, I feel all these things. He was like, yeah, I did, too. Hmm. He's like, I absolutely did. He's like, "That's you're, you're not alone in that. Yeah. He, he was like, the one thing that I learned now from having teenage kids, he's like, because I thought exactly the way that you're thinking, um, is that they're not going to remember the most important thing you try to tell them. And they're not going to remember the, the things that you think that are going to ruin them. I've heard something similar to that yeah. before. Yeah. And he kind of boiled down to like, yes, you are their father. Yes, you provide them with, you know, sustenance and their primary basis for their ethics and things like that. He's like, but they're their own people. And at a certain point, they're going to stop caring what you think about stuff. And they're mm -hmm. just going to act on their own volition, just like you have. He's like, so in essence, you're not as important as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think that point... Helped with a lot of like downstream things, like things that I was like holding on to. Yeah. And when I looked at those situations to like that, it's not about me. It's not about like how that situation affected me. It's not about how I felt regarding what happened 
I'm like, all those things are, I'm looking at them from only my perspective. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm, that's kind of a self inflicted wound. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time though, like we, as a young parent, as a, I guess, as a parent with non-adult kids, your only experience is being a kid really. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're just trying to figure it out. And you're, as a kid, you're typically self-focused and you think that the world, whether you say it or not, or actually believe it or not, you feel like the world revolves around you. And so that's kind of how we know how to relate to stuff is through our own experience. So then when we look at our kids and the things that we do, we think about how the things we do, we are doing to them or for them or whatever, but it's still us doing it. And I could see definitely how there's a shift from when they're really young when, when you know, obviously when they're hyper young, they re- rely on you for absolutely everything to survive. And then as they get older, that just starts to pull away little by little. You know, now my kids are at an age and your kids are at an age where they could, if they're stuck in the house by themselves and there was food, they could figure it out. Oh, yeah. Right. They're not going to die mm-hmm. uh, for a, a while. And then as time goes on, the kids don't need our house. They don't need our food and all that stuff. So there is this like shift, this like gradual shift where the separation, but along that shift, all the different parts of the kid, I think happen at a different pace. So the being able to feed yourself happens at one pace. Being able to understand how to relate to yourself happens at a different pace. How to relate to others happens at a different pace, stuff like that. So the separation is not a, you know, all those things don't deteriorate at the same time or grow at the same rate, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, I was on a plane one time going to Seattle and I sat down next to this guy and he was a pastor. We got to talking about different stuff and I had a Star Wars shirt on or something. We started talking about Star Wars. So we talked about um, all sorts of stuff for this entire long plane ride over there. He was a really nice guy. Somehow we got to that he was a pastor in Seattle and he had two kids that were teenagers. And we were talking about how one of his kids like really grabbed on to the faith of their family and the other kid didn't. The other kid just went along with it while he had to and then he just rejected it all and had a very, very different lifestyle from the rest of the family. And um, so I started asking him questions about that because at the point, this was... I don't know, four or five years ago or something. My kids were really young and I was trying to figure out how to shepherd their faith without enforcing my faith on them. Mm -hmm. Because there is a big thing there. Oh, yeah. You want a kid to own their beliefs, whatever they are. You want them to be... to be their beliefs. Their beliefs. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't just like step out of it and be like, I'm trying to be fair and give them the benefit of their own belief system. So I'm just not going to do anything. Like, I don't think that's the answer. Anyway, so I was asking him questions about that. I said, that's a thing. As my kids are beginning to get to where they understand some bigger things in themselves, how do you do that? Like, how do you teach a kid without enforcing on the kid that they have to follow the same things that you believe, but you want them to because you think they're the best? Yep. And um, he got really serious. And this was a person I'd known for like 20 minutes or something. Your single serving friend. <laughs> but he was really nice. Uh, he got really serious and he said, you have an, an extremely limited amount of time 
with your kids. And in that limited amount of time, you have a really limited amount of time where they care what you think. And within mm-hmm. that, they have a very limited amount of time to where they understand what you think. And he was like, just paring it down. And he was basically saying, and he got to the end of it, he was like, you have a small window to influence who your children are. It doesn't feel like it, but you have a really small window. And all of the mistakes you made, they're probably not going to remember. That's what yeah. brought this back is all of those things that you think you did really well, probably not really going to stick. All the things you think you screwed up, probably really not going to stick. But you do have influence for a really short amount of time, and you need to take advantage of that. Because before you know it, they'll be at a point where they can decide to make or reject anything that you've ever told them. Yeah. But if you don't do the job up front of doing your best, right or wrong, to invest in those kids, they don't have anything to reject. And I was like, oh, Hmm. that's interesting. If I try to be all like, this is a little bit different topic, but if I try to be all like free and let them figure it out on their own, they're not being guided. And you have to guide them to something to so they can for decide whether reject. they want it. Yeah. yeah, and that was like, that was huge for me. I, I would agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, my I know my high school years. Yeah, like there's some serious moving happening. Neither of my parents had been to college. And so for me, college was an option. Like I got really good grades. I was getting a scholarship. And I look to them and I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. Hmm. Like, should I go to college? And they're like, I don't know. They're like, it's, it's your life, man. You're, you're going to make decisions that, you know, affect you. I'm like, yeah, but like, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And it wasn't that they were just like, all right, baby bird, just like, go that way. Like they didn't have the basis of experience for themselves. And they felt like they had, they had nothing to offer me or that any kind of guidance that they would give would be would like I would fight against or I would reject just because like the mom and dad told me it. to do it. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. So they just, I remember my dad going like, I, I don't know, like you have to, to make your own way, hmm. which was absolutely true. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but like I, I, I'm going at this completely blind. And I think like they felt like they didn't make the right decisions. Hmm. I remember when I was deciding to go into the military, my dad was in the Air Force. And he was deployed at the time. And I remember like, hey, dad, I'm thinking about joining the Army. And he was like, okay. He's like, you will get promoted faster in the Army than you will like the Air Force. And I was Hmm. like, yeah, okay. But like the military in general, he was like, I don't know. He's like, it could work. Huh. I mean, that was about it. Like he went to the recruiter with me one time and... I remember, like, not in, like, a bad way, but feeling like, yep, I have to make this decision. They're not going to make it for me. I'm asking, and I'm not getting, like, a whole lot back, but it's uh, to no fault of their own. Yeah. And so I just have to figure this out. And when I was in college, I I had that feeling, like, I have nowhere to go for guidance, so I just have to figure it out. And my figuring it out in, in my college career, I made mistakes in my figuring it out. And so, like, an entire... After I did my first two years of school, I failed a class and I was going to have to repeat it. It was going to hold me back an entire year. Oh, dang. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, I don't know. We've never faced this before. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'll go home and do something at the community college. And so I went home instead of staying with an, you know, at an apartment in, at, at College Town. And I just never went back. 
Hmm. And so looking back like that, I don't have any guidance. I just have to figure it out. Like I made the wrong decision. But in hindsight, it wasn't the wrong decision because it brings us to where you are now. And it's just like a, it's one of those parts of life. But at yeah. in the moment, like you're saying, I had no guidance to try to reject or refute. And so I don't know if I would have been mature enough to accept that guidance or if I would have been immature enough to go like, well, you guys never went to college. You don't know any better. So I'm just going to do it all myself and yeah. try to throw against it. I, I don't know. And I think that hmm. may go to the point where... Like, I'm not, a, my guidance, what, whatever it happens to be, I don't know if they're going to accept it. I don't know if they're going to reject it. It's information. Right. That information may be weighted because I am their parent, but they can choose to accept it or they could choose to not. That's not up to me. I am not that important in that moment. They are the important ones in that moment making the decision. Well, and I think one of the, that's a huge thing to realize because I think one of the big problems and the frustrations in parenting is when you go like, well, obviously I know better than you. Because most of the time you do, right? Especially at the age our kids are. Most of the time, you're right. Because you've lived more than yeah, we have experience. 10, 12 years. And you mm-hmm. realize that, you know, going down face first on a downhill skateboard with no helmet on is probably not going to turn out yeah. well. You know that. So it's tough in those moments to not just take that stance on everything. I mean, I have trouble with that a lot. Where I mean, just I've like, said those words to my kids in the last two days. Like, your mom and I are smarter at, you, at this than you. Yeah. And so I try to form that. Like, at this point, for this context, we are smarter than you at this. Yeah. But it's hard to not do that all the time. Not to carry that past the obvious things yeah. and just be like, well, because I am your father, because we are older, obviously we know better. This is not always the case. It's just really easy to say that. So. I don't want to fall into that trap, especially when it gets into bigger, longer-term things like college. And you know, because our kids were asking us about college the other day, they were we were eating lunch, and the older two, who are both in middle school now, were asking about like just degrees. You know, like what are the degrees that people get, like the quickest to the longest, mm. and they just didn't know the difference between like a doctorate and a bachelor's and things like that. So we were talking about that, and we don't want to pressure them to go to college, but I would like for them to go to college. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's beneficial and everything. And so they were asking us questions about that, and they were like, well, what what should I do? <laughs> like, you you have a long time to figure that out. Like, you're, oh, yeah. don't worry about Even that. Even when you're in college. Like, yeah. I, that's one thing I wish somebody would have told me. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to have your degree, like, planned out the yeah. moment that you arrive. That was one of the things I told him. I was like, well... When I went to school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Most people don't. And even if they do, it's probably going to change because college is about experiences and stuff like that. So we were trying to guide them in that a little bit. But it would be, I could see how it would be super easy, wanting the best for your kids, to be like, look, you're going to college. I've heard that a thousand times. Like, you're going to go because it's it's the most opportunistic action that you could take so that when you're out of college, you have the most opportunity. I get that. Totally get that. And I understand the mentality behind that? that. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. From a parenting, I want to give you the best possible launching point into the rest of your life. But, you know, through talking to the kids, I had to point out that, like, what I do now is not something you could get a degree for. Yep. But at the same time, all of, not all, a lot of the skills that I take advantage of are 
a, an accumulation of weird little random things that I learned in college that I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't gone to that experience. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to tell them, like, a lot of times college is not about the degree. It's about the period of life where you get exposed to many, many things that you wouldn't get exposed to otherwise. Yep. Not always good, uh, not always fruitful, but not always bad either. And I would say that exact same conversation could happen if someone's asking about the military. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, exact same thing. It's just what you want those experiences to be. You are still learning. You are still young. You are still dumb. You are figuring out the world. Uh, it's It may... When you start out in the military, it, it, you could keep the same job or you could choose a different job. Hmm. So that same logic with college can apply to the military. You can get out and you can usually get a pretty decent job doing what you were doing, depending on how you entered and what you did while you were there. Just like college, like can set you up for a better job. But it's it was an experience. Right. And so I, I think in that same light, if they're ever curious about the military, you could say those same words. From your personal experience, if one of your kids in many years says, Dad, I think I might want to join the military. Oh, boy. What, okay. At this point, what type of... You know, obviously, they're yeah. going to be different people, and there could be many reasons why it might be beneficial when they get to that age. But at, at this point, what what do you think your reaction would be? My reaction would be, <clears throat> go to college first. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Not- because the military doesn't care what you did in college. They care that you went to college. Therefore, I have a friend of mine that we were in the exact same uh, helicopter repairman school. She was in the Pennsylvania National Guard. She had an art degree, the same degree that I'm pretty sure that you and Jimmy have. Uh, She automatically was better than me. Empirically, in the military, better than me. We went to the same school. She went back and finished her degree. She became an officer. So there's, which we can talk about, like, officers enlisted and, like, the culture of the military in some other episode because I can break it down for people who are curious. But... You are automatically open up for so many more opportunities. And I think college in general, like it opens you up for other opportunities. It's a networking. Right. But in the military, it is extremely structured. Like you can now take the elevator while I have to take the stairs. Just because you went to, to college. Doesn't matter what your degree is and nobody cares. But do you think that's based on well, who knows what it's based that's on? That's based on the mil the Well, these, but these I, was, I was wondering if military. if that was kind of built from uh initiative. Like, if someone goes to the effort to go to a college and spends the time to do the thing through four years or two years or six years or whatever it is, like, does that prove their initiative in relation to the military? In, mm. I mean, does it Maybe. see anything like that? Or I is think it it's just a holdover like a, from the olden days. Okay. Because the, the military has different <laughs> rank structures. So you could enlist with, I mean, you could do nothing your entire life and enlist, and then you'd be en- enlisted and you'd have to take the stairs. But while you're on those stairs and you're you're doing a good job being a stair climber, you're like, yo, I want to take the elevator now. You're like, we'll go to college. That's the only way that you can get in this kind of elevator. You can take a freight elevator that's like it is a very specific job. It carries specific things over there. So you're you're on an elevator, which is actually kind of the best job in the military. (laughs) It's called being a warrant officer. And in this analogy, you're the freight elevator. But you can get (laughs) off of the stairs and go take the freight elevator all day. Right. But the military really loves their officers, hmm. the, and it's it's a holdover from the yeah. the aristocracy, and you have clout, and you have 
you know, a name to yourself. But again, the only cutoff is that you you go to college. Hmm. That's it. Gotcha. And yeah, you can go some, to college while you're in the military. Well, mm-hmm. and that was my next question was like a, a lot of people go to the military so that they can afford to go to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while you're in, you can have what's called a TA, a tuition assistance. I used tuition assistance while I was in. My brother, who is three years older than me, is two classes away from a bachelor's degree in biology, and he got mm-hmm. almost the entire thing on tuition assistance. You also have the GI Bill, which is a benefit if you pass, I think if you are in a certain amount of time, it's, it's a really low bar. But when you are out of the military, you get $36,000 for college and you can do with it what you want. Hmm. I got my the rest of my bachelor's degree and my master's degree all using the GI Bill. So I would not have a master's degree right now if it weren't for my time in the military because it would not have made fiscal sense for me to get it. Right. But it's a benefit that I paid into because when you enlist, uh, it's, it's a pot of money. And the military and the GI Bill relies on a good 80% of the people to not ever touch that pot of money. Huh. It, yeah, that's what it is. You have to pay in, or I did at the time, uh, $100 a month until my first year oh. was up. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And so I paid $1,200. So imagine every single member of the military paid $1,200 into this fund. <clears throat> and then you're just so good at doing what you're doing, and you don't really think about college because the military... Unless you want to become an officer, like we mentioned, like they don't put an emphasis on going to civilian education. They want you to be a good helicopter pilot or a good infantryman or a good radar operator or whatever. That's where they want your focus to be, not on learning about, you know, uh, poems and the War of 1812 in some some class. Like they don't care that you take that, but it's there for you. And so many people are just they don't focus on it Mm -hmm. so that there is money available to everybody else who does decide to take advantage of it. Hmm. I did not realize that. Yep. And so whenever I got out and I was uh, I was a director of training for this military defense contractor, I had 12, 12 like recent veterans that had just gotten out. And there was a campus on base where we worked. I'm like, why are you not in school right now? And they're like, why do I want to go to school? I'm like, because you get paid to go to school. Like, yeah, they'll pay for your schooling. And because you go to an actual class, like in a real school, not all online, which you can still get some of this money that I'm going to talk about if you do online, but they'll give you housing money. Hmm. Yeah. That's just yours. And depending on where you are, it varies depending on your, your geographical location. But I remember these guys, I'm like, you could better yourself. You could be getting a degree and have a new truck. Yeah. Or it could pay your rent. Like, hmm. why would you not do that? Yeah, seriously. And again, they rely on people like, meh, that's too much work. And it's like, okay, fine. Then I'll let that person know. And then that person can go have a new truck and a degree. <laughs> <laughs> but that same conversation, if my kids wanted to ask about the military, I mean, I would have a lot of questions for them. And I would be straight up honest with them. Yeah. Uh, my time was the highest and the lowest point in my entire life. I... Served honorably. I was honorably discharged. I had a mutual breakup with the military. It was I decided to just not do it anymore. And they said, okay, thank you. Like you experience the poles of your life. You know what you are, what you can do at the absolute lowest point. And then you have probably experienced some of the most fun and the most memorable and the most exciting things that other people can't relate to. And then, but those are like at the bell curve, those are the tips. And mm-hmm. in the middle, is boredom and stupidness. Mm. The most inefficient company that you think that you could operate under, that's what it is. Hmm. 
And so there's opportunity mixed in there, but yeah. a lot of it is just like bored, stupid stuff. Hmm. And in college, everything was planned out. So we're in the military. You have a lot of freedom to make decisions based on your own career path, but a lot of it's planned out too. And and so in that time frame, whether you're going to join the military, or you're going to join uh, a university in some fact, like there's only so much ownership of your time that you really have that much control over. Yeah. And so looking as a parent, that's even less control that you have over that, that person's decision-making. You can set them up as best you can. And once they take that leap one way or the other, like it's up to them, but even then it's not completely up to them. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, they're just like committing to giving up their rights for their time and their management of themselves for a certain amount of time, I guess. Yep. Hmm. That's pretty wild. I, I don't know what I would do if my kids, I mean. But like most things, I would be honest and I would try to be judgment free because I know that their experiences would be different than mine. Yeah. My, my college experience would be different than theirs. My military experience would be different than theirs. It's what you make it. Hmm. And I would be honest with them. Gotcha. It seems like that's really far away, but I know it's not. When kids start asking about, like, well, what do I do about college? Or what do I do when about, you know, it just seems weird. Um, Let's switch gears 100%. Okay. <clears throat> Mandalorian <laughs> is coming the, out. There's no trailer. There's like no trailer, thought. but they did put some images out. Did you look at the, the I photos? looked at some, yep. It, I, it looks like season one. Yeah, I couldn't it looks, tell it looks, it looks anything <laughs> different. I was getting ready to say, like, I was looking forward. There's a big spider web connected to my... Pirate ship. There's a weird title for you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was really disappointed that the uh, the images were like stock. It's, it's something, but they were just nothing. He they, was on a speeder. Yeah, and the child looked exactly like the child did when yeah. we left him. And then there's a uh, Caradoon or whatever name is. It looked exactly like everybody did. Like they looked the same. The only thing I noticed, and it was just because they were, you know, uh, they're not like action shots from the show. They were. I'm sure staged photography, promotional photography, is like everybody looked clean. Yeah. It was like Nobody crisp. was sweaty. Yeah, nobody was dirty and dusty. And there was no dramatic like sweat or angst. So it they looked fake. Yeah, it looked like the <laughs> was Mandalorian like, was like taking Baby Yoda to the store. Yeah. It didn't look like they were being chased. There were no like dust clouds whipping up off the ground. It looks like they were out for a, a ride. Like Baby Yoda needed to take a nap, and the only way he'd get him to take a nap was like put him in the car or just drive around the block. <laughs> I I guess they don't really need to promote the show, but man, like shouldn't they? Shouldn't they be doing something? That's kind of been the Mandalorian's mo, though. Yeah, I guess they let Allure drive a whole lot of stuff. I mean, they're you can now buy baby yoda toys because they did not want disney to capitalize on the merchandise because it would leak the, yeah. the spoiler of the show so they've always had things kind of close to the chest i don't know yeah. maybe they're doing it on purpose or maybe they just realize they don't need to I th yeah i think they realize they don't need to uh i mean i don't know I w i'm gonna watch it maybe even more with like a hungry attitude, if I don't know anything about it, then I would if I had seen something. But I don't think either one of those is going to stop me from watching it. I don't know. It just seems like they should be doing some sort of promotion. I wonder now if we were to look back through the archive of 
different podcasts and things that we've been on where we've talked about Star Wars, if somewhere you and I independently have gone like, why do they have so many trailers? Just show me the thing. I don't think I would have said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you might have, but I might have just because like I just I want to I want to be surprised. I want that intrigue. I want that moment. Like they keep leaking and then there's a teaser trailer and then there's the this country trailer and yeah. then there's the thing at Comic-Con and then there's the thing at the Super Bowl and it's like just I just want to be surprised and happy. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean that doesn't really that that never has bothered me. Like I don't feel like I'm actually getting anything spoiled by seeing trailers and stuff because I know that they're so cautious about what they put out there in those. And like the trailer for the Mandalorian, the first season, almost all of that footage was in the first episode. Yeah. Which is great. That's awesome. You know, then you don't feel like you've actually seen anything that's coming. I don't know. I'm just ready for it to come out. It's October. Yeah. The very end of October. That's when we're getting our puppy. Oh yeah, you're getting a We're dog, getting a puppy. So what drove that? Was it a snap decision? Was it a um, long-term planning well, decision? So we're getting a boxer, uh, which we've had boxers before. That was our our first child. Yeah, but right when we got married, we got a boxer puppy, and so we've had, and then we got another boxer after that one passed away. And then we got the beagle earlier. Was it last year or year before? And so the amount of work that it took for that dog and just like looking at that dog, I'm like, this dog is not worth it. This dog is a weasel. I don't feel the same kind of affection toward this dog. And so then it was just like all work. Hmm. And we were overwhelmed at the time. But I have a thing with my wife on Instagram where the only thing I sent her are pictures of boxer puppies just being cute. Because it's just a thing that we have. Like, we really like boxers. And I didn't know it, but she actually went to go look for, like, breeders and things around. Hmm. It was just a fun thing that we would do. And so we were sitting on the couch one night, and she was like, so, whatever random town in western Tennessee, she was like, these people have a new litter. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) She's like, and she, she laid it all out. And then, so we did the pros and cons list. Is this impulse? Is this nostalgia? Is this the right decision? You know, why did we get rid of the the beagle? Like, what are we doing? Why are we contemplating this? And in my self-growth and me realizing that I cannot stop chaos, I can accept it and try to affect how I feel about Hmm. chaos. Interesting. Because immediately I'm like, no, that's going to add chaos. So no. All right. And I went, well, I know what to expect. I've done this before. So there is a certain level of chaos, but it's not like a mystery. I uh, My expectations can be set going in. The kids were really upset whenever we got rid of the dog. Um, I don't know. It just kind of worked. And went, you know what? Okay, fine. Hmm. And so my, because the dog, the the puppy was like recently born, we can't have the dog at the house until October 24th. So she can watch the Mandalorian with it. <laughs> She's going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're super excited. Like we told the kids and they were all excited. And we went to the pet store and like picked out some stuff. And they're like, oh, we need to get this very shaggy play thing. I'm like, no, not for Boxer. And so I already, already, I already feel more prepared because I can try to, like, 
pass that knowledge on to them. I'm like, I know that's cute. That's going to get destroyed because yeah. they are just vicious. Go ahead and pick out the things. toys of yours that you like. Yeah. And let's put them in a box. Yeah. So yeah, we're getting a boxer puppy. It's going to be a girl. This is our second female boxer, but our first female puppy. We The second one we had was a rescue. Hmm. So I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, Jenny follows this uh, local kind of animal rescue. I don't know. This girl that like she fosters, I guess, mm-hmm. for different rescues. And she just is constantly getting all types of dogs. And a lot of them will have, <clears throat> you know, they'll be missing a leg or they just had a some accident or they had cancer removed and they can't see out of one side of their head. or There's always something like that. And so, like, we'll sit down to watch a show and she's over there on Facebook just, like, looking at these dogs and just constantly. She's like, oh, she just got some puppies. Look, look, there's puppies. Look, there's puppies. <laughs> and she's always trying to get me to, like fall to it although if it came down to it, we both you know are not really ready to get another dog but there's always that little bit there's always that little thing i'm like man i'd really love to have another lab yeah and since tiff has been teaching class uh, online in the morning she prepares for all that stuff at night so like while we're hanging out watching tv she's like oh i gotta go get set up for everything so she'll be downstairs like preparing Mm mm-hmm it's like a while, and I'm just like by myself on the couch doing nothing. And so the idea that when we were talking about like the good things and the bad things about getting a puppy, I remember she walked downstairs while I was just sitting on the couch watching TV late at night, and I'm like, I want a puppy. I want a dog right here with me right now. <laughs> like, okay, I think that's it. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And I t- we have a dog park in town. We have a lot of trails in town, and so. Uh, I took the kids one day and like we went down to the dog park and just like watched all the dogs playing. There's a small dog and a big dog part and there's a bunch of places in town that'll help you train your dogs. And so we went through dog training with our, the first dog we had, but we did it way too late because hmm. we were in a place that just in Louisiana, you couldn't find anywhere to do it. I'm like, okay, that's a thing. I'm learning from the mistakes of, of the oh, last yeah. time. I'm yeah, like, yeah, these cool. are things that we have to make a priority. And so already I feel better about the decision, even though I was, we were like, well, it's like having another kid. And, uh, like, yeah. I mean, there's reasons not to. Yeah. And then there's reasons to. Because, I mean, it's a pet. It's We're not out on the range and it's not going to protect us from bears. There's no real reason other than it's cute and cuddly and provides you companionship. Mm-hmm. So the pros and cons list, the pros are always really superficial. But... It works, so. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. I'll just have to fight my urge to. Oh, you guys are going to get a dog. (laughs) We talked about it because originally I was like, if we get a dog, I want to get two so they can have like a buddy to play with. Yeah. And then financially going like, oh, two of those. No, we're not doing that right now. Yeah. (laughs) No, thank you. So you guys should get another one. Well, if we get a dog, we will probably get two because the only dog I've ever had. Well, that's not true. All right. Let me start over. I'd never had a dog. Until after we got married. We never had dogs growing up. And um, we were kind of talking about it. And then our friend Tiffany, um, her dog had puppies. And she had she was a lab mix. Well, I mean, the puppies were lab mixes. And so she had nine puppies, if I remember correctly. 
A bunch of them were chocolate, a bunch of them were black, and then there were two that were blonde. And we couldn't decide between the two blonde ones. They were just so adorable. And so I was like, uh, let's get two of them. I don't know. I've never had a dog. I have sure. no idea how much work this is going to be. Let's get two of them. So we had two lab-ish puppies, mostly labs. And, man, they were just so awesome. They were so awesome. And having uh, labs are really clingy, and they, they love to chew, and they love to they need attention. And so having two of them helps a lot because they'll occupy yep. each other and not destroy your trim around your doors as quickly. They still do it, yep. but not, not as quickly. So if we were to get another one, I definitely would like to get a lab again. And uh, that means we would probably need to get two of them. And then when I think about two puppies, I'm just like, ugh. It's like our kids are finally, like, we can sleep in. And the kids can get up and eat their own and make their own breakfast. And they start doing their chores. And, like, you know, like we have three cats that are all really cool and really sweet. And, like, they're... They're no work at all. I'm thinking two puppies. Like, ugh. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, I, w- I would love to have the dogs, but that infant stage and yep. toddler stage of puppies is so much work. So, well, we talked about getting two, and besides it just like being way more expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, maybe if we got another one for the, the all those reasons, the you know having a companion. I'm like, why don't we get one when? The dog that we are getting, like, is kind of trained, like, knows what's up. Mm. So then hopefully some of those good traits will rub off on the smaller dog. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. That's where that conversation kind of stops. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do it one of these days. But, like, the fenced-in backyard is, like, a big thing. We don't have a fenced-in yard. We're going to get the the little wire, the, like, buried wire thing. Yeah. I've heard good things and bad things about that, but I've never done it. So I don't really know. Well, good luck. It's going to be cool. I do this wrong. It'll be fun regardless. Um, how long are we, we going here? 40? I have one pro and con that we didn't talk about last time from the same person on Twitter. Okay, we can do that real quick. Do you want to talk about Tenant at all without spoiling? Mm. So the Should two we of us spoiler went... cast? Uh, be the first. Is it be the first? I don't mm. know what we've talked about on this show. I don't want to spoil it for people. If that's something people actually want us to talk about at length, then we can, I guess. But I just... We actually went to the movies, and I'm excited to talk about movies yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It was weird going to the movies, but it was kind of cool, and it was it felt safe and, like, mm-hmm. it was good. But just what was your impression of that movie? going, Like, what you thought of it going into it, watching it, and walking out of it. Was it what you expected or how you expected your brain to hurt? <laughs> uh, being a Christopher Nolan movie, I expected there to be a lot of like <laughs> kind of moments, but I didn't know really anything about the plot. Um, but you had seen a trailer, not really. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I mean I saw the the main character, the protagonist, like in this little like oxygen mask looking thing, looking very sternly at things. Like that was it. That's all I knew of the movie. I knew hmm. Christopher Nolan like thriller. No, I hadn't watched much of any of it. So I, I oh, I did see the part where it's like, oh, you're going to be catching a bullet. And he was like, whoa, and that was it, right? So I thought the movie was spectacular. I like the plot, the timeline, the whole concept of the movie. 
the characters. I believed everybody. The action sequences, like, whoa, man. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. I want to work on a Christopher Nolan movie just to be that person go, yeah, sure, we can do that. <laughs> I want to be around that group of people, kind of like we have cultivated here. Yeah. To go like, well, what if we like took a planet and like smashed a thing and then like, what if we dropped a blue whale from the skyscraper? And we're like, sure. <laughs> That's not in the movie, by the way. Yeah, it's That's not, not that we do. Instead of people go like, well, we'll do that on CG and we'll do people go, yeah, sure, man, I'll go find a blue whale. Not not a big deal. <laughs> That's the level of action sequences in this movie. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. The fight scene in the kitchen. I've seen fight scenes in kitchens in many movies. That was the best fight scene in a kitchen fight scene oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 that, was, that was awesome it made me go oh no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> it was so good this movie's good i want to go watch it again yeah i think i might want to watch it again too i don't know that i'll go back to the theater um uh, to see it again but i think it was it was just confusing enough that when we got back in the car i was like I think I understood it, but mm-hmm. what about the what? What about that thing? And then who was? How did that work? And then the more I thought about it, the re- more I realized I didn't actually get pieces. I understood the movie, yep, but how things actually played out in certain places, I just there are more detailed pieces that you could benefit from a second viewing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To catch the especially if you things. know what you're looking for. Yeah, I watched one of the like theories behind Tenet or the ending explained, and there were some pretty decent theories. Hmm. That I want to go back and see if they hold water. But oh yeah, good movie, Christopher Nolan. Man, you know and what they it, should do? They should let him make some Batman movies. Oh, <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> uh, this is the first movie I really seen. I was no, going to say the same thing. Other than uh, I think it's called The King. It's a movie on Netflix about uh, one of the British kings in the Battle of Agincourt that Robert Pattinson was in. He was the French prince. I think that's the only movie I've ever seen him in. So being other uh, than Twilight, I've never watched Twilight. So other than being like some heartthrobby guy, I've only seen him in action movies, and so far he's pretty good. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. It, so. That one movie, he was a, a French prince in like medieval times fighting in armor, which is a great movie, by the way. What's it called? I think it's called The King or King. Hmm. Okay, super good. It showed like the Battle of Agincourt in real time, like a king from like charge to like everybody's dead. Now we're tired in real time. It was super great. Wow. But anyway. I remember thinking, people were whining about Robert Pattinson being uh, the next Bruce Wayne. I'm like, well, I don't really know anything about him other than he's in some vampire movie. Yeah. After watching this, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect when they announced him as Batman, but I'm all for it at this point. And I didn't even think about the fact that I saw some um, article or something not too long ago how Christopher Nolan was saying that he thought Pattinson would do great as Batman. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing to say because, you know, he's just not doing Batman anymore. And so now he's commenting on how somebody else would do. I don't know. It just caught me kind of weird. Totally forgetting the fact that he directed him in this movie. So it's like they've worked together. He was talking about it from personal experience. And it was, I don't know why that caught me as strange, but it did. Yeah, he was impressive. Uh, the kind of lead guy, which I still don't even know the character's name. His, his name is the protagonist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he was awesome. Yep. I'd like to see him and more stuff. I don't know what else he's done. I haven't looked him up, but it was good. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but it was... Let uh, us know if we should. This is a specific question to me, to you out there. Just a simple yes, Josh, on any social media platform. 
should we do a spoiler cast of Tenet? Because it's been so long since we've got to see a movie in a theater, let alone talk about it emphatically with a bunch of people who think the same way that we theoretically yeah. would. So then that would give us a reason to go watch it again. <laughs> True. All right. What's your pro and corn? Corn. 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 What's your pro and corn? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Actually, before we do that. Oh, man. One, one, more, one more quick thing. I was thinking about this. How do we get more people to listen to this show? Hmm. Not, and and the reason I'm asking is because I w- <laughs> I want more people to listen to this show. No, because I think uh, we, it's it's like something we never promote. Like we don't. I don't even know how to promote podcasts. I don't know how to tell people. I don't know how to grow. Because everybody audience. has a podcast. Yeah, it's like there's a billion of them, and they're all basically just two people talking because they think they're the only ones that have anything interesting to say. It's not what we are going for, but. It sounds really pretentious when you say like, it, it oh, yeah, I have a podcast. Yeah, but like, how do you how do you get it out to people? Obviously, what we do and what we talk about is not going to be relevant for everybody. It's not going to be something people always want to sit around and listen to. But I think it works for some mm-hmm. people. It's it's interesting to some people. And how do we target them? I think it's a call to action moment. Okay. Because I wish we had like a big graphic to throw on the video. Call the CTA time! Um, I think that if you, the listener, man, woman, whatever, find benefit in what we're doing, I think that you know at least two people who are in that same, like, thought group hmm. that would also get benefit from what we're doing. And so I think you should tell people. And I know that's like, you should tell two friends about the show. I really think, like, if it's something that you get benefit from, there are friends of yours that would also fall into that same category. So, from me, I think you should tell you out there, two people, yo, have you listened to this podcast called No Instructions? These bunch of geniuses spit out these words of wisdom all day long while they're building Legos. <laughs> and one of them's really handsome. And Bob's Just on there one too. Of them. Hey, oh, see, I was oh, going to turn that around. You thought see, I was going to insult you and I didn't. No. <clears throat> That's how I think. Yeah, well... Okay, cool. I'm not going to say please, but I should say please. I'll say please since he did the call to action. Please. All right, what's the pro pro and con? Pros and corns. Man. (laughs) Right over there? I don't know what's going on with me. The state fair. (laughs) Or just like the fair. The fair. Or the carnival, whatever. They're they're different. Your particular colloquial term is for when the carnies come to town with the rides and the junk food but they're they're significantly different i think a state fair stands alone as its own thing because like the chickens and stuff well yeah because it's not just that the state fair okay i guess it's dependent on your state the state fair is typically much larger than a county fair or a little thingy okay so it it has contests it has uh stuff that you can walk through and see exhibits Mm -hmm. it has rides it has lots of food so it has the same things that a normal fair would have plussed up yeah so i think that's pretty cool because it is usually a pretty wide sampling of a state not just a county which is usually the people that go to a county fair already live in the county so they're seeing things that they're already familiar with but i think at the state level you could actually run into parts of your state that you don't actually get to see very much or things that you're not really exposed to I'm all for state fairs. Local fairs? Eh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's just, I mean... I would go. They would just be pared down. Yeah, but they pare down to, like, the the terrible rides and the terrible food, 
and that's it. There's really, there's usually not anything else to see. I have limited experience at county fairs, so you know maybe I'm off base. I, but. We used to live next to where the Washington State Fair was held in Puyallup. It was awesome. State Fair, right? But again, I think it's just like a, a scale issue yeah. of scale. Yeah. Could so be. like that's the county one may happen in like the parking lot of the abandoned Sears. Where the state fair has like the state fairgrounds, or yeah. if your county whatever has like the fairgrounds, just like a big patch of dirt that magically like there's a Ferris wheel now. And do you look at them the same as you did when you were a kid? No, because when I was a kid, every every event like that was the opportunity to win garbage. <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. there's there's garbage in there that will make my life better and if i go play enough games or spend enough of my parents money then i get some garbage of course i need a goldfish <laughs> in a bag right now that's right it, it might survive the ride home but i need it i would like the largest fluffiest chinese-ish <laughs> ape purple ape that you have please <laughs> but now it's just like well they're gonna be loud and I'm going to have to... Like, Who's they? Like the fairgoers? The or fair. No, no, okay. no. The, they being fairs in general are going to be loud. And I'm going to have to just be constantly scanning to look for four little heads that I know where everybody is all the time to make sure nobody runs off and gets eaten by a animal or whatever. You know, it's just, it's just a different... And I don't need the garbage. So My thing is I look at it now from a mechanics perspective. Mm. And there are so many like missing cotter pins. <laughs> yeah. Or like I look around there and I'm like, you, uh, I'm going to be prejudiced, Mr. Carney. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you do not look like you are an ASC certified <laughs> ride mechanic. I'm just saying. I don't know the inspection process a lot of these things go through, Yeah, but I don't want to find out that mm. you're a month overdue. I've seen them all packed up all nice and tight driving down the highway, living in the RV. I know the abuse that a... Any vehicle takes just driving down the road. Yeah, just the rattle. Let yeah. alone to like origami style unfold, put in some retaining pins, charge some kid a buck fifty. Like, yeah, man, go up on there. You only live once, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Have you taken your kids to a fair? No. <laughs> Maybe I don't remember. There is a county fair. Yeah, here. we had one in Alabama, and ooh, you haven't watched Tiger King, Anthony? No. Did you watch Tiger King? Oh man, people out there in the world, they know what Tiger King is. We went to the fair in Alabama and it was like the it was called the Peanut Festival. It was a big fair, big thing. And they had to like, you can come pet a baby tiger. I'm like, absolutely I'm gonna pet a baby tiger. And so I had to pay whatever dollars and me and my mama and the kid, like, here's our picture for a baby tiger. And then Tiger King is like, and this savage is only breeding tiger so that people could take pictures with him. I'm like, mmm. <laughs> What a terrible mm, thing. That, mm, that sounds like a really terrible industry. What sort of a monster would take a picture with a tiger? You put that tiger in front of me. I don't want to get my picture taken with it. Don't judge me. But now, like, the fair was in town recently, and it was in, like, the, the Sears parking lot. At, and, in Florida? No, here. Oh. Yeah, it I was in town that. not too long ago. Oh, I missed it. But it's like... the mm, coronavirus. Yeah, there's that. But, like, the allure of, like, let's go get some fried randoms. <laughs> fried pantry staples. Mm. It's like, I think that appeals to you when you're of the age where mentally you have no consequences. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can see that. Your metabolism, like, you could eat a car battery and you'd be completely fine. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that because that's going to be bad. 
But or you're so like you know, as a kid, uh, we we just didn't get a lot of like sweet stuff, mm-hmm. and so and my kids are the same way. Like we don't give them a lot of sweets, and so they have the opportunity to get X with sugar on it. They're like, yes, I want the yep. yes. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's gonna taste good if it's a sweet thing that they don't normally get. And the fair is where you go to get it. Yep. And so there's the part of me that feels like I'm like taking that away from them, not going to the fair. Not if they don't know about it. <laughs> that's that's my Chuck. That's called the Chuck E. Cheese paradox. Mm. Chuck E. Cheese does not exist if you do not acknowledge that Chuck E. Cheese exists. It does not exist anymore. I don't think anyway. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, bummer. Mm. Yeah, can't get dysentery from the ball pit anymore. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. I am on bag fourteen. Bags fourteen. I think I have 15, in front of so me. About done. If I'm a conservative estimate, a show and a little bit's worth of my motorcycle. Life. So okay, anybody who's watching the video, next show we're gonna finish what we're working on, and then we're gonna start these. Mm. This is the Razor Crest set. That's the now branded Mandalorian cargo smugglers bounty hunters ship, not the <laughs> Razor Crest. Yeah, but this box says Razor Crest. That's a whole thing. We'll talk about that later. But we do have these cool new sets to work on. Awesome. D- did I tell you I got the Batmobile? What Batmobile? The big Batmobile. Which one? <laughs> the big one. <laughs> the the eighties one. Yeah. I want that one. It's huge. Did you buy it? I bought it. Oh, I was looking at it at the catalog <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> It's like two feet long. I want that. It is so big. I just, I don't know why I bought it. It's really expensive and I wasted money on it, but I was like, I was getting a sets from my dad for his birthday and I was like, I just got, it's right there and it's so big. Yep. It has a box inside the box. So Yeah, the Land Rover did too. It's like you, yeah. you pull a box out and there's like eight or nine bags underneath <laughs> it. And then inside that box, there's another eight or nine bags. I think there's 24 bags total. Ooh, how many pieces is it? huge. Uh, 3,000 and something. Oh, man. All black. New record. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's uh, something I'm doing in the evenings. That's, that's going to be awesome. personal project. But yeah. Anyway, uh, where can people find you? Uh, leave me a response. On social media at Josh underscore makes stuff. Should we do a tenant spoiler cast and tell me the names of the two people that you recommended the show to? This is your homework. Ooh, homework. Yep. Uh, you can find all of us at I like to make stuff on all the stuff. Big thanks to our Maker Alliance members um, who are a big part of this. We had a hangout with, we do a monthly yeah, hangout. It went great. Yeah. It's an awesome group of people and we end up hanging out and everybody's starting to know each other now. So that's cool. You know, like uh, Adrian was on there and he showed us his brand new shop. Which uh, I saw he got like a huge. warehouse. Yeah. So he showed us his, walked around the new shop and told us all the stuff he's doing. We had whole conversations about LEDs and acrylics and it was super cool. A lot of fun. Good, great. Uh, big thanks to them for all the support and for being part of our community. If you want to check that out, go over to Patreon, join up. That's I like totally to make it. stuff slash join. Yes. ILTMS. That's true. It's not just Patreon. ILT. That's a good point. I like to make stuff.com slash join. I Man, like to ILT. There are so many little suffixes. It's on screen. I like to make stuff.com slash join. That's it. We're done rambling. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye bye.